Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's a wacky mashup episode as Valeli and Richimon blend their regular chat with a visit from Donnie and Mike from the Sick Call Podcast. Topics abound, including what a strange time to live in when it's controversial to be a nice person. Valeli unveils his new favorite philosopher. Big Bear versus Ojai, Headhunters versus the Rockefellers, and introducing Azos the Defiler. Now that's a show. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. All right, here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to the final episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode one hundred and twenty-four. That's an impressive number for a couple of guys that are just goofing off. That's a very impressive number. Cross from me as always, Daniele Bonelli. Wait, Azog the Defiler. Uh, oh yes. The Eight Pounds of Fury, Isabella's new dog. That's He's pretty awesome. Roaming around the house. He's got a nice shave going. He's got a fluffy tail and a little fuffy face. And uh, he's quite adorable. Looks kind of West Highland Terrier, something along those lines. He's all orc. He's all orc. Yes. I can see that in him too. Well, yeah. it does make a delightful addition to the family. No, he's awesome. I never thought I would like small dogs. Turns out I do like this one. So yeah. well, that's, that's the only one you need to like. The yes. rest of them will probably annoy you the same, but I think you got pretty good Christmas picture going right there. Holy yeah, smokes. he's adorable. Uh, having said that, let's give quick thanks to a few sweet folks. Um, trifecta of our sponsors. Onnit.com. Onnit, onnit, onnit. I'm trying to convince Gretchen to get back into yoga, so I have an excuse to get the Han Solo in Carbonite yoga mat. I've been waiting, man. They, I don't think they have released it yet. They Is are, it still waiting It's out on there? pre-order. It's beautiful. I can't, how do you clear it's, that? Who, the do only, you, who does he know at Disney? I mean, my God, I know. that cannot be. Hey, Disney, we got an idea. Well, on it by now has enough solid connection that they play on a whole other level of the game. It's incredible. To, it's impressive. I think it's all... Be- Okay, let's give credit where credit is due. It's all due to us. Well, it's, yeah. We clearly built the Onnit Empire. Because, I mean, Onnit today is a company that has an insane degree of success over the last few years. I remember when it was like six guys at a big table grinding up some alpha brain. Not now. And well-deserved. You know, they are pulled it off in a great way. And I think it's uh, because they do make really good products that I enjoy a lot. There's yeah. a lot of variety. There's constantly new things. It's a cool so website too, and check I love like, them out. Like with the with the battle mace that I don't use nearly enough, but there's like ten great different routines to do with that thing. Yeah, that's the other thing that Onnit had. They have uh, like Onnit University. They have a bunch of online free stuff that you can check out tutorials about, especially yeah. about working out and nutrition and other things. Go there, buy something. It's Christmas time. You'll find something you like, even if it's just the buffalo bars. I don't know about the coffee chili flavored ones. <laughs> you don't like those, huh? As, uh, I will praise the other ones, but I'm 
not going to be on board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's to me is like the whole deal to me is like is we're not pushing on it just for the sake of no. you need to like what you like, you know, and there is a lot of stuff that I like that they have. Yeah. That's it. You know, the, the regular bison is incredible. Yeah. We had bison on stale at Ralph's last week. Five ninety nine a pound. Check that out. You bison. sure he wasn't cut? I'm sure, man. Okay, I, good. I've had it for a while and I just love it. I can't wait till it becomes more available. Well, on the um, no, I'm with you. Bison is one of those meats that if you're going to have a good meat, steak too, it's not gamey. It's yeah. delicious. This is brought to you by Ted Turner's uh, Bison Foundation. <laughs> so check out onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash Taoist. Uh, thank you to Datsusara for the awesome hemp gear. The, just traveled this past week for Thanksgiving. We had our usual wild show where every other bag we have, every single thing, Isabella's backpack, mine, Savannah's, the bag that we carry clothes in, everything is Datsusara. It looks like you're going to a SWAT meet or something. It does. It does look like you are on an assassination squad, <laughs> as Duncan Trussell says. If you're planning to uh, murder an evil sorcerer or some czar, Datsusara is the gear you want to have with you. Well, you know what they have now so. that I'm just loving, and I just, if I, I probably decide on my ride home, green or blue, the new beanies. The oh, yeah, beanies yeah. are cool. Savannah's got one. Oh. She uh, was wearing one for. Uh, Savannah approved. Yeah, very much Savannah approved. She had it for Big Bear when it's cold up there, and yeah, the beanie is awesome. Excellent. And of course, short design with the softest t shirts on the planet. There are our t-shirts if you want them, the podcast ones, or you can just check out Sure Design website for all the three zillion designs they have. All great stuff. Having said all this, let's jump into this episode. I was going to say real quick, this is kind of a wacky oh, episode. Oh yeah, this time mentioned that, uh, yes. We were going to do our regular sort of Rich and Bellelli one, and all of a sudden, Donnie and Mike from Sick Call come by with a bunch of empanadas and a couple of beers, and like, hey fellas, what's up? It's a party. Yeah, they came to visit. They're great guys. So, so it's they not normal structure, but it's a great little chat, yeah. and uh, they're good cats. Absolutely. time again everybody's favorite but it's bonus super rant time yes today we're doing something different today we have uh, you know usually we either have episodes with guests or we have the episode just the rich and daniele special where today we do kind of a mix because we do have two gentlemen joining us here it's a mashup why don't you guys actually introduce yourself you have been you should uh, i've been on here before I'm, I'm twice already yeah donnie monologue and i was uh the ranger guy that talked about PTSD and psychedelics, and my buddy, good friend here, my brother Mike Markili, he's yeah. uh, the co-host of Sick Call Podcast, and we do that weekly, and uh, yeah, good stuff. Let's play with a few, well, first, 
Okay, there are a few places where I want to go with this. So first, okay, let's start on a completely random note. This is just public service announcement. My friend Pete McCormick, he directed I Am Bruce Lee. He directed this documentary called Facing Ali that featured a lot of the people who had fought against Muhammad Ali. He did all, he's a great director, great guy. I've, he was on the podcast in the past. I think we did an episode a while back where Pete was on. The, he has a series currently on Netflix. Up until now, it was only available on HBO Canada. Now it's available everywhere on Netflix. It's called, okay, we'll skip on the title. It's called Sports on Fire. <laughs> Reason being, I stole his title. Uh, his tit- the title of his thing is called Sports on Fire. And so I was like, wait, can I steal that for my podcast? There's no stealing, there's only paying uh, homage. That's how I, I ask, at least. I'm no Harvey Weinstein, so I ask permission first. So that, that <laughs> helps, you know. But uh, well, Louis C.K. apparently asked for permission for two, and that didn't work so well. Yeah, is but, it really that fucking confusing, fellas? I don't know, man. It's weird. I never had a problem with it, but uh, ha- some people having do. sons and seeing like the nature of insanity right now, I've sent the blads down, thinking they already had this put together. But in case they didn't, gentlemen, if she wants to see it, she will either a ask for it to be presented. Or maybe even more likely, B, just access it herself. Yeah, it's somehow... Anything beyond that... Louis C.K. thing is not working well. No, what is that, man? But yeah, so since I do not do that, I ask good Pete McCormick for permission, in this case, not to have access to his uh, most intimate nature, but rather just to uh, borrow his title and turn it into History on Fire. So yes, I'm a thief. I'm sorry. Don't judge me. That just, But it's a cool title, so I like it. And in any case, the whole point of saying this was go on Netflix, check out his series. It's really, really awesome. I watched it when it came out originally in Canada two or three years ago, but it's, uh, I watched it again, like with Savannah, we started watching one of the episodes. It was about hockey. I mean, I don't give a crap about hockey, neither does Savannah, and we were glued to the TV wanting to see what happens next. It's that good of storytelling. So the guy is awesome. There are six episodes, each one is less than a half hour long, so the whole thing is fairly quick. Every one of them tells a brilliant story, so check it out. Speaking of friends, man, this is one that really bummed the living hell out of me. Um, there's a guy who actually I wanted to have him on as a guest on the podcast, Mr. Dakota Black. He was uh, my friend from, uh, he was a student of mine at Santa Monica College. Big, huge American Indian guy, right? 250 pounds of muscle, solid, big dude. He acted in, um, what, was, what did I see him in? He was in... Uh, you guys ever seen that TV show, Justified? Oh, my wife watches it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. He had a role at one point in Justified on one episode. He, super sweet guy, came from a pretty rough upbringing, uh, went to jail, cleaned up, became a suicide prevention advocate, ended up... Now he was about to go to grad school. His acting was going well. He's the single father of this daughter who's like 12 years old. So, you know, he ran it every step of the way from the place where he started to where he was ending up. He was awesome. He's celebrating his birthday. He goes out and decides to, not the most dangerous thing in the universe, to ride a mechanical bull, right? (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? Well, apparently he had broken his neck when he was uh, 20 or something. 
but you know, yet I healed very well. It was fine, no problem. Did all sort of physical activity for years on year, no big deal. Well, apparently just the motion of the mechanical ball snap his head backward, snap his neck, dead on the spot. And now we have, you know, some 12 year old girl who's there uh, without a dad. Cause, and she already wasn't with her mom anymore. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. When I heard that, I was like, what the fuck? I was just so personally sad because I really like the guy and also just in those, come on, man. I mean, I guess I probably shouldn't have to be reminded that there is not a whole lot of fairness in the universe that just the way things are. But it's one of those lessons that sometimes I'm like, hey, universe, I learned that lesson already about 1,500 times. Can you stop teaching me the same thing over and over and over? Because it's okay if you give a break for a while, you know? Ah, uh, bam, the living hell out of me. I think, I don't know if they still have it. They may still have a GoFundMe thing for his daughter. If they do, I'll put the link in the episode notes. Because, uh, yeah, man, that, that whole thing just really... I don't know, man, we have had... Uh, Thinking back, like it was only what a year or two ago that our buddy Bennett, who was from Shore Design, I think it just was a year. It was a year. Yeah, maybe a little, but whatever. Just barely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Too much of this crap. So that didn't help me incredibly to be in a particularly good mood. But let's instead. I guess I wanted to mention him because did I, I mention this is rant time, not make everybody very sad time? Okay, let's do a rant time. Let's go on a more less of a bumming out direction and more in a <laughs> in a different one so my new <clears throat> i have introduced you guys to my new favorite philosopher her works are above anything i've ever seen before my new fa- favorite philosophy is thug rose uh, how do you pronounce her last name any idea namajunas yeah I think so. oh rose namahunas yeah namahunas she's my new eye she's she just won the throwaway title in UFC. The whole thing was just hilarious because you see the... Now, this is a story. Even if you guys don't give a absolute crap about MMA, this is a good story. I watched so, it at home in my bed. It was glorious. It, it was worth it. Yeah. It was a good show for the last... Not all the last UFCs have been No, that one was awesome. <laughs> That night, too, it was funny because both there was GSP winning the title back and Rose winning. And part of what makes that story awesome is that the entire lead up to this fight, there's the throwaway champion, Joanna, who's, um, she's, um, she's also like a little goblin. Great fighter. <laughs> but she's not the most pleasant person in the world. Or, she does some creepy shit, right? She does. And in this case, you know, she would keep... Um, telling Rose who had a history in her family of mental illness and problem kind of like saying oh you're just crazy you don't have you know bringing up all this shit that you really don't that's crossing a personal line where you can talk shit but that's different I think I see that schizophrenia peeking out that's basically where she was heading you're not supposed to say that to people yeah that's not and Rose was just a mummy in front of her she showed no emotion didn't talk (laughs) back didn't say a word was just this ridiculous degree of stoic face where just no one emotion comes through, right? She was praying at the weigh-in, right? Yeah. The, the girl's in her face and she was just praying, like staring through her, like trying not to be in that moment. Yeah. Because the champion's sitting there in her face talking all kinds of shit to her and all kinds of personal deep stuff and she's just kind of like trying to stay in her own little 
trance. It just know? shows you, man, women are a lot meaner than men. Men are stupid and do brutal, terrible things, but women, they'll get in deep and make it hurt bad. But that's what's interesting about Rose, that while she... Like, when the fight that went on, it was amazing because, you know, Joanna is beaten. Everyone they put in front of her and Rose dropped there in that, within three minutes and then kind of ended up forcing her to make her tap on strikes, which is one of the things that usually most fighters don't do. Later, of course, Joanna promptly lied about having tapped, saying, no, I wasn't clearly, really tapping. She clearly she tapped. Obviously tapped. The not even there was a, some music in the crowd. I was yeah. just sort of going along with yeah, it. Yeah, it's huh? ridiculous. But here is the thing that gets interesting in why Rose But the Rose fight become... wasn't even the best part of the whole no, thing. No, but the part that where... I mean, because the fight or her being stoic, that does not make Rose my new favorite philosopher. What does? Well, after the fight, when they interviewed her, it was just hilarious because she basically said something along the lines like... There's so much like crap going on in the media, news and stuff, and um, I just want to try and use my gift of martial arts to try and make this world a better place and change the world. This belt, this belt don't mean nothing, man. Just be a good person. That's it. You know, this, this is extra. This is awesome, but let's just give each other hugs and be nice, man. I mean, I know we fight, but this is entertainment, you know, afterwards. Not she had this attitude that was all about that that's a hard thing to do become a kinder better human being that's the real deal this stuff here this is a game you know this is an extra so what nothing kind of fucking strange time do we live in that it's controversial now right to be a good person to be a nice yeah. person to be yeah. nice to be kind to like yeah. hey we don't have to talk crap on each other we can come in here and like Put our, put our, our skills against each other. Yeah. <laughs> We're so civilized. We could just fight without words. That's I what she was kind of saying. I remember here live from this kindergarten where this teacher touched She was no like, look, this is a business. This is your job. I'm a fighter. You're a yeah. fighter. We don't have to come in here and talk crap on each other. I thought it was funny. But it was cool. Wow. And then now I know why they call her Thug Rose. You know what I'm saying? Like, she, was, she, was, she, was, she was getting into it. I was like, I don't expect... And it helps yeah. that she looks like Eleven from Stranger Things from Netflix. <laughs> it helps for that. Yeah, it was funny, man. She actually, I, I read you a quote. Some of the stuff that she said afterwards, between like the immediate interview afterwards, or later at the press conference, she said, <clears throat> "There's been a lot of trash talking and things like that, and people that aren't being true to themselves or being honest. I don't know. Maybe that's just what they feel they need to do." But I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of all the hate and anger and stuff like that that's going on. I feel like we have a duty as fighters to be a better example. Martial arts is about honor and respect. It takes a lot of courage in that cage, no matter who you are. I just want to try and send an example in, the way, uh, in that way and the rest of the world too. There's a lot of negativity out there. Everywhere you look is just negative. I'm trying to just be that positive light as much as possible. I'm not perfect either. But maybe we'll figure out a way to make this world a better place. How is this woman not president of the United States already? Is a mystery. Then you look at the other side, though. On the male side, you look at Conor McGregor, mm -hmm. who just says whatever he wants. And it is where my hypocrisy is gonna come through. Conor is awesome. Don't you dare! <laughs> uh -oh. No, it is. It's what's different that. if you actually do what you say you're gonna do. <laughs> no, oh. it is what's going on about Conor. I think, generally speaking, <laughs> I don't dig the trash talking. I think it's a very annoying way to kind of manufacture all this fake conflict, manufacture but these you know fake bad feelings. It. Connor, 
to me, it's a performance art. You know it's doing it. Right. It's obvious he, that he's, he's putting on a character. And he's figured out how to do it, work for him. And, he, and he's a comedian. I mean, he's fucking, when you listen to him, he's entertaining. I think part of it's like, a, it's like that samurai philosophy of not caring. Yeah. I think that's what he's got because he was out of fighting. He had his, right? Isn't that a story? His buddy died in the cage or in a fight. Yeah. And he was done. He's, he's so like, somebody. I'm not going to fight until yeah. he got the shot. And he's, I think he's like, I, I can just walk away because I don't care. Because, and he's just riding that money train until the wheels fall off. Like He is. And I mean, I get it because a lot of the Connor stuff then has been about making money. And I get that that may not. But Connor, I find him entertaining at least. You know, it's like whether you like him or not, some of the stuff he says is funny. It's I mean, just... the UFC is WWE now. Though. It is. I mean, there's we'll no it. hiding from that. Chris it's just a more evolved version he's of now WWE. Irrelevant. He doesn't talk any junk. He doesn't... But in Chris Eidemann's case, it's probably good because it's boring anytime he, <laughs> you know, it's like his thing is. So yeah, if the alternative is being the trash-talking fan guy or Chris Weidman, no offense to Chris Weidman, but it's kind of bland and nobody cares. Mm-hmm. The, the way, the, what happened with Rose and what happened in that same night, GSP came back, George St. Pierre, who's really, by the way, for all the people who keep saying that, yes, it's true, GSP is actually my alter ego. It's, uh, you know, JSP is the Clark is the Clark Kent version of Daniele. We never you do know, see it like, together. That's yeah, really yeah, odd totally. now that you mention that. That's yeah. what I, I do see the similarities, though. Man. And you yeah. do. Why don't you look? Why don't you know what to look for? And uh, so, yeah, there's Clark Kent is when I go in the cage and I win titles. And then there's uh, when I make the switch, go in the telephone booth and stuff is where this podcast happened. Um I do have to say, when I first heard your voice, uh, it was a compilation of like Joe Rogan, Duncan yeah. Trussell, and you, and I thought it was George St. Pierre, because I, I was doing this work, I was you know doing a workout while I was listening to it, and I'm like, damn, that George St. Pierre, he's a pretty evolved thinker, <laughs> and, then I looking, and, then I, and then when I actually watched it, it was like, oh, who's this guy, and then I got your books, and that's, that's how we funny. met. That's hilarious. But yeah, GSP, I do believe he's an evolved thinker because the fact is, GSP is like the ultimate paradox in MMA. It's kind of like the stuff that Rose is saying because GSP in a world that's populated by people with their shaved head, tattoos everywhere and steroids coming out of their ears. GSP is very... Actually, he does have a shaved head and tattoos, but that's a different story. That's ruining my point. But he's nice to people. He's totally nice to people. He's polite. He's very mellow. He's soft-spoken. He's respectful. He has always this. Yeah. (laughs) And he's been in the game forever. He was was a a trash truck guy. I actually saw live his very first UFC fight. I was at cage side. Because back then there was nobody watching UFC. Yeah. So it was super easy to get press credential. And I got press credential to be literally a cage side. Did he have his Danielson? I I forget. I, I can't remember if he did or... But yeah, it was against Caro Parisian. It was pretty cool. The, but yeah, the point being, GSP is not the guy who should do well in MMA. You know, the whole world of MMA now is all trash-talking and angry and pissed off. It's a whole world that's based on these, uh, you know, all hyper-aggressive... All the, GSP is the opposite of that. He's just this super sweet, nice guy. Even some of his declarations were downright puzzling. He said, you know... I love fighting, but I'm kind of sad that in, it's a setup in which somebody has to lose. There's somebody who is trained just as, if I lose, I'm going to be crushed. But if I crush the other guy, it also sucks because this guy has spent weeks away from his family training like crazy and I have to beat him to a... 
So he's ambiguous about the whole thing to a point where like, are you even a fighter? Come on, what is this? Well, you hear about him talking about how he's like uh, crying and tears scared before a fight. Yeah. It's yep. like a good, good person having to go out and face the bully. Like it really is when he describes it. Totally. You know, it's not like the other guys that are like, I'm going to beat your face in. Yep. You know, and that's- he doesn't really, he's just trying, and he doesn't really give, when you look at his fights, he wins Clearly, but he doesn't. There's usually not a lot of damage yep. until he either submits somebody, you know. So it's kind of like he almost his martial arts almost kind of is geared in that direction where it's you know a lot of um, using their momentum and all that yeah, other yeah, stuff. Yeah. Where it's you know he's taking a peaceful approach towards it. It's super violent sport, and I think right. that's what's funny about it. That here you have a guy. Well, it's scientific who, too, you know. It's very completely very thought out. Oh physics. man, the guy is a genius. Like he was fighting once BJ Penn, and he had this whole thing of like, yeah, BJ Penn is faster than me, so I'm gonna press Sunny him against the cage, make him use stuff. a lot of energy, <laughs> so his arms will swell up with blood, and then he's gonna be slower. And that's exactly what he did at work. Wow. Now the thing with GSP that's fun is that it would be weird enough if a guy like that would be a fighter. Period. When you're considering that he's very likely, if not the best MMA fighter ever, something pretty close to it, because, you know, he won titles in two different divisions. He came back after a, what, three, four-year retirement, went one division up and won the title in that, right? right? It doesn't take a lot of damage. No controversy, no USADA problems. Super smart, super, and he only lost two fights in his life, avenged both of those losses. You can make a pretty solid case that the guy has achieved the maximum you can possibly achieve in MMA for being a guy who does not fit even one-tenth the profile of what an MMA fighter is supposed to be. And I guess checking out uh, Rose's declaration here sort of reminds me of that. The fact that they both won the title on the same night, that was even cooler because that was like the UFC of the nice people coming through and, uh, and winning out. But I think, I guess, to switch slightly, one thing where I do dig rewards is that I think it applies also a lot to those people who make a living being professional provocateurs, you know, who just like to stir up shit. And their number one source of appeal is they pick an enemy, somebody out there, they usually pick the dumbest possible people they can find in that one group. And then they zero in on that, trying to... And their whole shtick is about really critic, making fun of idiots, essentially. Look at this idiot! Totally. He's such an idiot! Now, it's like dinner for schmucks. Exactly. And the problem with that is that, don't get me wrong, I mean, criticism has its place, okay? There's something legitimate about criticizing stupid ideas. I'm not saying, oh, you need to be all positive all the time and... Hi, everybody. I get it that there are, when you see stupid ideas, it's good to call them on it. Or rephrase it as a question and make them call themselves on it. That's even better. Like that, even better. Yeah. But ultimately, once we get through that stage, then there's the, okay, what do you have to contribute stage? Because it's too easy to just talk shit about a group of idiots. What's your solution? I'm what's the shit talker. And that's exactly what... this morning? Someone has, to, someone has to be talking shit. And that's no, you don't. what bugs me. It's like, no, if you criticize something because you're going to build something better in its place, yeah. mm-hmm. What's you your... got it. Yeah. I have no problem. But if you criticize something just to criticize something, and that's your contribution to the world, is telling me that other side are a bunch of idiots. Well, just because the other side are a bunch of idiots doesn't mean that you aren't either. You know, it's like, what? I want to hear what 
as Rosu put it, would make the world a better place. What are you going to do that actually changes things in a positive direction? No, just being an idiot detector doesn't help anything. If you're going to complain, yeah, you better have... Easy. Complaining is so easy. You better have some sort of notion of how you can improve things a different way. And it can definitely be wrong, but at least put something into discussion instead of just shitting on everything. And, yep. and she's doing is like she's trying to be the example. Instead of setting some un, 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 unattainable goal of... She's just being like, let's all be better people. So it's like something that everybody can do. And it's easy if you try to make yourself the best version of yourself you can be. You'll motivate other people to try to be a better version of themselves. And then you can start making change because now it's like at a cellular level. Because well, everybody's I mean, trying to make a better change. Who expected her to ever win? And she was like, I mean, not a lot of people expected to call no. that out, right? She was a huge underdog. And then to take that one moment on like the biggest stage... To give that, yeah. as opposed to try to pump yourself. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Fight. I smacked her around. You know yeah. what I'm saying, like. You know, yeah, that's what nice. it was. Almost like it was. It was touching when I he watched was. it. You know, it, was, it really was. It was nice. I'm like that little boy is very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Rose, but yeah, I don't know, man. There's something there to be said about that ability to to want to put. Because I mean, when you look at all the interviews, the amount of shit talking that Joanna did in her face to her nose right there, how do you not respond? How do you not react? And the, as it applies to us, because I mean, that's good for Rose, but who cares? How does that apply to us? Think about like the 10,000 situation where you read some dumbass on Facebook saying something outrageous that just wants to make you just how do you not see that you're a fucking idiot? You know, and you get sucked into these, these things where ultimately... Even if you're right, okay, congratulations, you won. What, you know, what does the, like, if anything, precisely because you're right on some issues, that's not leave to sink to the lowest common denominator. It should be, okay, what do I do with it? How do I, now, I'm saying this, I feel so often it's not even funny, okay? There are so many of these occasions where somebody will say they're wrong. I get sucked into this discussion because I'm an idiot a lot, okay? The point, though, is it's probably a good idea to remember not to be that way, not to do that, not to, you know, once in a while you want to get it out of your system, okay, fine. But for the most part, really put the accent on how do I not feed this demon of anger that's out there? Like, I almost really conceive it as there's something that feeds on human anger. <laughs> and feeding feeds the freak, on, three cats. Right? There's, whereas the... How do you instead starve that? Because you put your energy on to put a positive accent, put a positive spin on things. And again, positive does not mean being delusional or being Pollyanna or pretending that everything is great or not acknowledging rough stuff, but still finding a way at the end of it to ultimately create something beautiful. Because again, nobody wants to, even if you are 100% right, I was about to say nobody wants to hear you bitch forever. Actually, that's not true at all. There's a huge market in people bitching and making a career out of that. But you haven't really contributed a tiny bit to making anybody happier, making the world a better place, doing anything. You're just somebody who stirred up a bunch of shit and even rightfully maybe went and increased the stoke the fires of anger even more. That to me, fuck you. You know, there's, you're really not any better than the people you're criticizing when you're doing that. So, and you need mushrooms, right? <laughs> That's where <laughs> that is uh, because you are what you eat, and you need to be something that helps and contributes to society, and not something that is being a cancer and taking away from everybody else. 
This portion of the Drunken Dallas Podcast brought to you by the Mushroom Producers of California. Right. Eat some shrooms and chill out, people. Seriously, though, I mean, there's so much to complain about if you want to. And going back to your sponsor on it, you know, think optimally. You know, you can you can spend all day doing that. I've done it myself. Like I said, you know, I go in there and I get with this legalization of cannabis. I spent many days talking to people who are stuck in their ways about things. And at the end of the day, it just wasted a bunch of my fucking time. You're not going to change your minds, are you? Right. And so it's like it, when, especially when people have the right to like go and say whatever they want on social media, never have to face anybody, never have to look people in the eye, never mm-hmm. have to actually have some evidence into what they say. It's almost like you're spinning your wheels by even getting involved in it. So it's like, I look at it now almost as a form like, like we sit in the mornings, go through social media and just see what everybody's doing. I go back through and I look at all the rangers and I go, gosh, you're still living your life like this? Jesus. Yeah. And then and at the end, and I shut it off and I go do my thing. And that's it. You know, I pretty much don't contribute to that just because it's like, it is a, it's a huge, just gets all this like anxiety building and all this stuff where you're just like, man, I could have just spent the last 20 minutes like running around the block and I'd feel so much better. Yep. You know, so I just started doing that, you know. On a a related note, since you are saying um, about the stuff that people say monstrously mean to each other, but it's never a face-to-face thing and all of that. Uh, I mentioned before my gladiators for world peace idea. I think it's worth bringing back up again. I mean, of course, I said it as a joke. But at the same time, it makes me think, hey, what about if it's not a joke? What about... You know, what about if he was, go back to under the earth when it's legal to have a duel? You know what I mean? Where if you talk enough shit, somebody will call you on it and say, okay, we meet in the field tomorrow, 20 pace away, you draw your gun, I draw mine. And no more words, bring your skills. Yeah, if you are that, if you are that animated about throwing words out there, let's have you back it up, you know, step up and let's draw. I don't know that that's not necessarily, I don't know. Is that a bad idea? I mean, granted. I yeah, because you're going to be mad if your guy ends up going to fight Kim Jong-un all of a sudden in the gladiator battle and he has a fucking heart attack from his 19th RB sandwich he had before the duel. You're not going to be happy with the outcome and that's going to create strife. You can get one of those Terminator Dick Cheney hearts, though. <sighs> no, we duel for what's important <laughs> nowadays. The currency <laughs> is ego. The currency is shame. But that's, we, a, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like people make it... So we need to have people that are actually willing to put both their reputation and their ethics in line with their with, with, with their contribution, yeah. you know, because we're at a point where everybody has an equal say, right? And this yeah. is what I found with the legalization movement in Lompoc with, you know, with all these old religious folks that want to protect the children when they don't, by banning something that helps them with childhood leukemia and, and autism. We don't want them healthy. <laughs> we just don't want them to eat weed so wild out. It's really desert. weird. Like this gladiator's role piece is almost ridiculous that you have to get people together to go like, look, we should stand up for what is right. It's really weird that you have to do that. Where is the integrity in that? Where's the integrity in being somebody who can look at themselves in the mirror every day? You know, we're not striving for that because there's not a lot of money in that (laughs) or there's not a lot of personal uh, accolades for that or whatever. Who knows what it is, whatever personally drives that person. But the reality of it is right now, like there's so many people that just want to have a sounding board, but they don't want to explain where it is that their view comes from. And if and if we're not willing to have that tangible experience to back it up, then some people need to be the, be quiet, you know, and that's really what it boils down to. But we're not headed towards that. So 
you have to look at it and pull back out and go like, is this a time to look at it from an observational standpoint and go, this is really cool that social media has helped separate the dumb people from the smart people for me. And all I got to do is deal with it. That's pretty easy. The amazing thing was, I think it was probably almost six years ago now, when you had to identify yourself if you're going to make a comment on YouTube. And the millennial kids lost their fucking minds. What do you mean I have to say who I am? And it just, I couldn't even process. It's like, so you think you should be able to say any horrible thing you want about anybody and not even have to identify yourself in some way? Yeah, it's... Um, That's crazy. Whoever thought that was going to be a working model? I don't know. I like legal duels. I like the notion that somebody can say, hey, if you feel that Imagine strongly about it. Imagine the pay-per-view money on that shit. Yeah, I can't. Could you like local, like these two guys in Philly have been wanting to shoot each other for a long time. I think yeah. it would be it would be all right, like if it was not a might make right type scenario where it was like you have a week to kill this guy and he has a week to come find you oh. and you guys start wherever you want huh. and it, based on how good are you in your environment, well, you come, come a, get the okay. predator and his. I his, dog his, <laughs> Like I'm, I thought about this. I'm crazy. You know what I mean? Like I have a house that has places where it's you know geographically superior to the people that are coming <laughs> to my house and is I know it, where it, it is the cover problem, is so. not covered in concealment. I know where all that. Stuff the minor problem with that would be that then the odds of people who are not the two people involved getting shot by mistakes get high. Yeah. You know, One it's kind of like... Well, if we're just renting... There'll be a, I mean, the there'll be a general with a bag of money. It's like 1500 for a dock <laughs> right. worker. Be on your way. I mean, I would feel like uh, if you know enough about your enemy, you know if they're going to ask you for a duel before they ask you for a duel. And right. at the end of the day, it's about who survives and goes home, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> Preemptive strikes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's going to be the end. The end the result is the same, right? So, I don't know. I think that the idea that, like, I love martial arts as entertainment. We talk about this all the time. But, like, you know, somebody who's skilled with a, with a gun or yeah. even a vehicle, or there's many, many ways to kill there's somebody. There's a great uh, Abraham Lincoln story that somebody challenged him to a duel, but the condition was that then he would get to decide the weapons and the setting. And so he said, okay, fine, we have a duel. We're going to be doing it by broadsword, but we're going to have to stand on opposite side of Tight this little rope. creek and we cannot cross the creek. And of course, Lincoln is about twice the size of the other dude and as he reach that, you know, he literally goes from one side of the creek, stick his arm forward and chop a branch on the other side of the creek. And so the other dude was like, yeah, you know what? On second thought, I don't want to do this. Do well. You're a nice guy, after all. It's fine. Isn't that uh, like a common thing that they do too? Is like pull their like shoot off, like not shoot it. Like they they come to like some weird back alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they, where they would do it, but then shot. they shoot into the ground because mm -hmm. basically they are saying, "Look, if you're still that mad, you can shoot me." But we're just made a statement that we are willing to back up our words, but we really have to kill each other. Yeah. You know? I feel like if somebody tells me he's willing to kill me, I'm going to do whatever yeah, I can to make I sure that he's not around anymore. I have time to agree. Um, if that was the rules of the, yeah. law, the law of the land, you know, per yeah. se. But then again, we're not um, wearing powdered wigs and standing in line while muskets are getting loaded. Yeah, and... yeah. That's... Uh... I don't know. Legal duels. That's, it's like 90% uh, backed out the morning of, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, some yeah. crazy Most number like that. people would not. You know, shoot. I just got up this morning. I think yeah. I'm going to move to Philadelphia now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'd be that guy who was like, let me think about it. And then I'd be at your house before you got to your house. Right. <laughs> Lying in wait. You know? <laughs> so we're going to have it. Yeah. yeah, that was a fight. It's, we would have, but some strange assailant got you before you yeah, got to the dueling grounds. What right. a 
the electricity went off and the food resupply didn't show up and then this oh. guy came two days later well even if duel even if the legalization of duels doesn't go through i still think i don't know man there's something the way communication is now online sucks it's terrible where just everybody will just say horrible thing to one another at the drop of a dime is not very much leading to anything good and is leading to a lot of crap so i do like the notion of you know as you said if we can't have the legal duels which was my pipe dream then the other option would be what you said don't feed the beast you know right. try not to get sucked in into this discussion don't give people like this the time of day it's not worth it. don't give yourself i mean don't do it for yourself first and foremost because as you say it's a bunch of time and energy that goes into stuff that's ultimately doesn't change anybody's life whereas you doing something for yourself go work out well, that in, in order changes. for the light to outweigh the dark it has to be directed right yeah i mean it can't just be just thrown out there competing because you lose every time you you try to match light i'm gonna out troll the troll with my anger yeah, yeah, yeah you always lose you, you, it's like you know what's that buddhist saying you're holding on to a hot stone thinking you're gonna throw it at somebody yeah. you know, you're only hurting your, yourself <laughs> yeah. sort of thing it's kind of what it is. I mean, when you're when you're involved in it, you're playing along with it. You're part of the problem. I mean, yeah. irregardless of your role is less than the other person, you're still part of it. Yeah, even if you're right, that's the problem. That we are addicted to this idea that being right is what it's all about. And when we are right, and somebody else doesn't recognize it, we get self-righteous and like, come on, I'm gonna right. show you. It's like, even if you are right, that's not the point. I think it comes from oppression. I think it comes from people with very little sovereignty over their lives, mm -hmm. like not being able to be the master of your own ship. And so it's like the minute they see something they can pound, it's just like chickens. The minute chickens see a weakness, they go after oh, it. Yeah, like, they and they're just pecking. It's terrible. And I think that's, there's a lot of that mentality where people just don't feel like they have control of their life. So they're like, like a laser beam. I'm going to tell this guy that his point sucks because he didn't use proper pronunciation and grammar or whatever. And it's like... Yeah. So you're going to discount this whole argument because he didn't use mm -hmm. RE instead of R, you know, whatever it was. And right. it's like, you didn't on. capitalize. It's like, it's point still valid if it's spelled wrong. I kind of think, I mean, but we right. all want to pick at that guy. Like, you're an idiot. You don't know how to spell who. Huh? It's like, he still had a valid point. But you're having an I'm argument on Facebook. So about, yeah, smart. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On that happy note. No, I think really then the, the rose advice your advice those are that's where it's at right it's just put the focus on where seeds grow turn you know? it into an action we're actually yeah. doing something don't waste your time with somebody on the internet you're never going to convince because that's the real madness of it all mm -hmm. you're not going to convince those people yeah. i'm sorry your 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 uncle who's the big time southern baptist you know freakazoid he will not change his mind sure no matter how fine your argument is. Like, we got an old wily guy in, in where we're from, right? Where everybody's been pushing for legalization of cannabis for, like, months, right? Going up and giving their heartfelt speeches of how they had cancer and how, you know, how they have children that depend upon this and all this stuff. This old man, just a prior mayor, just waited in the cut to the last point. And all he figured out to do is, I just got to fill out this piece of paper to sign up a referendum to block all this shit and I'm going to go get all my old friends that go to church with me and we're going to sign it and we're going to try to put a block on everything that's happened up until this point. Wow. But really, like, it boils down to he ain't arguing with nobody on Facebook. That old man figured out he knows the way that system works and all he has to do is go fill out this fucking piece of paper and everybody else's work is for nil. So it's kind of like you have to have an, edu uh, you know, an educated approach. It has to be tactics. You know, everything is war in a sense you know if you if you're if you truly believe in what you're fighting for you know 
And so, it, it, again, it goes back to a lot of people are willing to give their two cents, but not a lot of people are willing to go stand up there, give their face, show their name, and say, this is what the truth in the world is. And I don't care what you crazy people think. This is what it is. And this is what, you know, and, and if you're not willing to do that, then you get what you get. And, I figure I've been, I've been fighting that hippie lettuce since 1958 right. when some jazz band came by here and but almost ruined the city. And right. you think you're going to change but if yeah. you don't fight, it's like if you get what you get, don't throw a fit. And they will I mean? show up. Yeah, they will. They'll be there at the 11th hour. I think hour. we just saw that a minute ago. Right. They will show up. It's a crazy situation. It's, it's The worst part, Danielle, is you, you know, you've got it nailed down, but we don't have any idea what the solution actually is. But I think... I think we're getting that solutions <laughs> love. It's always no been. Doubt. It always it's true. Be. Cash has always been the problem. Well, but that's where it is. It's like I think he's focusing... When you have an option on how you're going to spend your time and energy, figuring out that spending it on something that's going to make somebody smile, that's going to make somebody happy, that's going to make you happy, that you're doing something for your physical health, you're doing something for your mental health, you're doing something for somebody else's physical or mental health, you're setting up, that's going to be a hundred times better than coming up with the best, most philosophically wise argument why somebody's a dumbass. That's still not going to help anybody. But it's almost like always when we discuss, you know, the tribal thing and how much nicer it would be in these smaller units. You know, eventually the Nazis are going to come try to take Murfreesboro over. Well, what happens at that point? I mean, all, there's got to be a line that you cross where it's like no, but that's no why further. I'm saying I'm not saying that. Again, yeah, you cannot be Kumbaya and rose-colored glasses. That's the classic problem, right? Where you have nice people who end up being weak and complete assholes who are strong. And strength become the domain of the assholes and weakness become the side effect of being kind. That's a bullshit dichotomy that has been taught to us by people who clearly lost balance both ways. By strong people who went too much into an assholish direction and by good sweet people who went too much in a too soft direction. That's why it's so important for the kinder and sweeter you are as a human being, the more you put the emphasis on being nice to other people, to everything that lives, the more it's almost your responsibility to develop strength. Because if uh, otherwise you turn into a stereotype and otherwise all your kindness is going to end up uh, just getting squashed by the first asshole that come by. So which is why I like GSP and I like Rose because they are paradoxes, right? It's like the super kind, sweet person who say, ah, the winning the belt is not really that important. It's about being a decent human being who actually win the belt. Because it's too easy to say it if you are the one who then can fight. It's like, okay, you are the weak one who say we should be nice because you don't have the balls to do what it takes. You actually can master that game better than the people who supposedly are the tough guys, but you choose how to use it and when to use it. You don't, you're not, that's not your entire identity. And that's what I dig. And I think that's what to me is like what I find awesome about Taoism is this mix of yin and yang, this mix of having this soft, sweet, mellow side, but you have a monstrous amount of strength that go hand in hand with it. It shouldn't be a choice between one or the other. That's, uh, that's just a bad dichotomy. And what good Taoism does is taking things that have been separated for stupid reason and bringing them back together. So strength and kindness, they do go back together. One without the other is a crappy stereotype. When you have them together, you have a real human being there. And that's the kind of stuff that interests us ultimately. That's your homework, people.
real quick, guys, we're going to do a mid-roll commercial from our new friends at Flaviar.com. It has something to do with drinking whiskey. Something it sure does. Let's hear it. Big, big thank you to a new History on Fire sponsor. I want to give him a shout out here as well because these guys have been super sweet to me. And it's actually, some of you guys may be interested, so I figure it's, uh, I don't do it just as a fulfill uh, sponsor duties kind of thing, but I actually think that some of you, if you don't run into History on Fire, you're only listening to Drunken Taoist, maybe actually cool for you to check it out because there's a special offer that these guys offer. So let's go in order. The, this particular sponsor is named Flaviar. They are the world's largest online club of spirits enthusiasts. So we're talking about whiskey, bourbon, you name it, you know, all the good, strong stuff. I'm getting some absence for Christmas. That's all it is. That's where you're going. The, their goal, you know, what they do, they have this collection of like often 15,000 spirits. There's a lot of stuff that they have out there. Wow. And basically members, every quarter, they receive a, a themed tasting box of spirits. So you can have a try of a bunch of different things. That way, if you like it, you say, oh, I want a bottle of this and you order it. But otherwise, you try all, you have these tiny little samples that you get to try of a whole bunch of stuff. And you can get it at kind of members only prices, which is sweet. Nice. Uh, their boxes come with tasting notes, description, all the good stuff. It reminds me of the scene in Trains, Planes, and Automobiles where they have the hundreds of little tiny bottles from the airplane. That's basically where it's at. That sounds great. Yeah. Be careful of the one. There's actually one that says this may blind you. So yeah, be careful that, of that, that bottle. Keep that one. 15,000 spirits, yeah. you're going to run into some trouble. Yeah, that could be. That could be a bit <laughs> of a problem. Once a month, they offer drinks from the vault. The vault is extremely rare and hard to find spirits available to members only. So, you know, you get the idea. It's They also do live events. They do private bottlings. They do all sorts of other things that you can check out for yourself if you're interested at the website. But I don't know, man. I dig it. It's, um, it's a great gift. Christmas is coming. It can be a cool gift for somebody who likes their booze. Winter is coming. Yeah, winter is coming, and you need the strong stuff. So they usually have a waiting list these because there's a lot of requests but they kind of arranged a, a roundabout way for our listeners to get it now without having to wait so the website is flaviar.com forward slash exclusive and use the coupon code history during checkout let's try that again it's flaviar is f-l-a-v-i-a-r Again, flaviar.com forward slash exclusive. And then the coupon code is history. So that's the gig. Uh, check them out. Let me know what you think if you have a chance to sample their stuff. And that's it for this. Isabella moment, boom, boom, boom. Ready to roll with Isabella's moment. Or as somebody else say, what moment is it? The me moment. The you moment, correct. 
So changes in Isabella's life. Um, I see some strange creature on four legs running around the house. What just happened here? He's my dog, Atog the Defiler from The Hobbit, the Pale Orc. So let's try that again. That's Azog the Defiler. From, why from the hell the did Hobbit. you name? Yeah, why did you name a cute little eight-pound uh, fluffy white dog after the Pale Orc from The Hobbit? Azog. I, I blame the parents. Well, I, I want. Right. Well, I wanted to name him Conan, but you said no, you big fat meanie. Yeah, Conan has to be a big dog. I'm sorry, that just. Then why Azog? Azog because it's funny. But, what about Conan? Uh, that also be funny. It's funny, but Conan is a secret name. You cannot. The level of respect it must be met before you. Yeah, can. it's a different kind of thing. Plus, yeah, it's your he... first animal. You got a lot to learn. There's still time. No, it's not my first animal. I've had a. I also have. I had a monkey before him, and oh. right now I also have another dog. You had a monkey? <laughs> no, no monkey. The guy, the dog's name, uh, oh. previous dog's name. Yeah, she's talking about my. Uh, her grandma's dog. Yeah, but come on, you're at an age now where this is going to be your responsibility. There's a lot of cleaning up dog poo in your future that you know. probably haven't she really calculated. It, and yet. he does it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like that's not the way it's going to work. Who's, whose dog did you say you it was? Yeah, you wanted it was your dog, so. And now yet for some reason you do it. Yeah, Just training. Well, it's exactly. going to. I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of changes in your life. You're not, you're I not know. quite ready for these, but they'll be here I know. regardless. It's going to be disgusting. There are a couple of glorious videos that we made. There's one. There's one that's epic. It's on YouTube. I'll put the link in the episode mm. notes where Isabella is singing a Lakota lullaby to the dog as the dog is in Savannah's arms and the dog completely passes out as Isabella is singing a lullaby. He's like completely with his head rolled back and stuff. It's pretty funny. That was glorious. And the other one is... Um, the other one we did this video was hilarious, man, because the dog was a rescue dog, right? It's like somebody found him in a parking lot and all of that. So he, his hair was a mess. He was caked in. And so we had to take him and have him shaved. And so he was depressed as hell. He was kind of like my lion's mane has been shaved. He would, you know, be, we really thought like, okay, we broke this poor dog because the dog was so happy and bouncy and great mood and he came back and he would just look down and you invite him to go out and he doesn't want to and so we made this video where i pick him up and we put um hurt by johnny cash we're playing you know under the file most depressing songs of all times so we're playing johnny cash and i'm looking at the dog and we look into the dog's eyes who just say i want to die now basically it's a great video it's, Everyone I know goes away in the end. Exactly. Uh, that's what the dog was saying. He was Now he's picking back up his mood. So well, I think uh, the dog needs to take a moment to calculate. Like His chances were looking pretty slim there. Now yep. he's set. Yeah, but... Um, so no reason to be depressed. I, I saw Thor got all his hair cut off a few... I saw that yesterday. Yeah, that's... Uh, Not worth seeing. Other things. Let's see. Other Isabella moment kind of stuff. Um... Oh man, this is, so we went to Big Bear uh, lately, which was awesome because I love being in Big Bear. But this brings some more complicated conversations up because lots of changes upcoming in our lives and what we're going to be doing because the odds are high that we may have to move out of here, out of LA. And so that raises the question, are we looking for a different place in LA? When I was in Big Bear, I'm like, man, I love this place. I would give so much to be able to live here. But at the same time, I know that like for Isabella, it's going to be a mess to 
you know, if she wants to take any kind of a class, well, good luck. There's never mind the fact that I'm a little, I'm sure there are nice and sweet people in Big Bear, but the overwhelming majority of people I've run into are either super heavily racist or if they are not, it's because they are on meth. And it's like, I saw this lady and I was like, oh, finally, I see these white ladies there with two uh, black guys at the grocery store and they're old friends. And they're like, you see, not all people in Big Bear are racist. You see, it's nice. They turn around and they're like, meth is coming out of their ears pretty much. And I'm like, okay. We're just here to steal. <laughs> That's the ones who are not hardcore racists because they are on meth. Now, this is a completely um, apo anticipated apologies to the sweet people who are actually living in Big Bear and do not fit either model. But I don't know. That's a lot of water running. Well, what so. are your winter preparations as well? I mean, come on. It's going to snow up there. And yeah, but I haven't touched snow in like 14 years. I don't know if I could even... I, the thought that there are people, a huge amount of people in this country, getting their snowblowers oh, turned yeah, yeah. up and shit right now. Forget that. The last time I went to Big Bear once was, um, I go up, I'm about to make a left into the driveway, and there's about a six foot wall of snow that goes all the way back that need to be shoveled before I can make that left turn. So I spent, I don't know, probably four hours or something insane just shovel, shovel. Should have found those meth kids and say, look, at the end of that pile of snow, <laughs> there's the biggest sack of meth anybody's ever seen. <laughs> they would, it would have been done in three minutes. Yeah, right? and then would have forgotten what they were digging for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know, man. I'm kind of like, so the option is I stay in LA, which is monstrously expensive. Everything is overpriced. I have to take 500,000 hours to go anywhere commuting. So there's some downsides to LA. Then there are also the upsides, of course. You meet a lot of awesome people. There's more opportunities, all of that. Then we got the other option is Ohio, Not Ohio, mind you. Ohio. It's really well named. Yeah. Ohio is what? Maybe two hours north of LA, something like that. And it's, uh, it's nice. It's a little too deserty for my taste. And it's super hot in the summer. Yeah, exactly. It's valley so, hot because it's pinned in. So I don't know, man. I'm, um, I'm going back and forth between, you know, what I want to do with all these and where do we go and all of that. Welcome to Oxnard. Yeah. Well, Oxnard is actually not that far Chop from everything Ohio. in half. Yeah. It's, yeah, you know, you're in the middle of everything. You're by the ocean. It's the only yeah. ocean stuff you can afford. It's funny. People are bailing out of there right now, though. Because they can sell those houses for 600 it's grand. It's increasing. The, yeah. Where do you guys live? I live in Santa Maria. Okay, so that's an hour and a half to north of... Uh, it's an hour north of Santa Barbara. So about three hours from here. Yeah. You like it out there? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. No traffic. Uh, the food scene's a little... But it's growing. There's more wines bringing in. More people are coming in. A lot more little nice restaurants are popping up. So Sweet. the food seems to get a lot better. Yeah. We got there's an airport, so if you need to get to LA, you can get to LAX or Sweet. get to San Francisco. Next to no traffic, blue skies, ocean drive. It's talking about beautiful Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara County, yeah. Oh, you dig Santa, it? Oh, Santa Barbara County is. There. I don't know. I've been to a lot of places in all over the world, and I feel like Santa Barbara County is where it's at. You know, I mean, you have. I mean, you have the mountains, you have the beach, you have great food, you have great wine, yeah. you have 
you know, good people. You have a low cost of living. You it's know, close enough to LA. I mean, we're all from Southern California. You could spend three hours in your car going. Oh yeah, totally. From forty miles from here. Yeah. So it's like a three-hour drive while you're looking at the real killer. Where you're at is yeah. that last twenty-seven minutes when you get off the one hundred and one. That gets long. We have the same thing up in Cambria too. Like you get up to San Luis, but that's another. It, it, it is, but if it's your home, no, no. It, once you're there, you know what's there. Like you know, on when I get off on the one, I know that there's San Julian Ranch. There's a turn off to Haloma Beach. There's Lompoc right around the corner. You can go right and go on the San Rita Hills and end up on the other side. You can go to Drum Canyon. You, you know, there's brisket stands. There's oh, no, the farm community. stands. It is sweet down there. Everything, you know. So it's like every day you have something, and it's only getting better because the cannabis culture is coming in, and it can, you know, with that comes food and art and you know all that other stuff and and a you know open mind. So you know we've been trying to really help push that in our community to get it to to uh, to be more of that. And Santa Barbara just opened up. Lompoc just opened up, Morro Bay just opened up, um, Grover Beach. So you have all the way, you know, you basically have your route along the beach where you can, you know, like a free man smoke cannabis and have the best wine and, you know, in this side of the world. I think so. The the problem is I'm not, as much as I like philosophically the idea of change, I'm not that good at it. It's, uh, well, some people are. Some people actually thrive them. on it. I know, bastards. <laughs> I don't trust those people. Some people are like, okay, I've been here too long. I need to change. I need to move things around. I need to. And I'm like, I look at it and I mean, even like the way Savannah handles stuff. She's like, if we go to Hawaii, that's awesome. If we go to Big Bear, that's awesome. If we go to Colorado, that's awesome. If we go to. Her thing is just, I'm just like, really? What See, the fuck? I. That's as long as about, where the heart is. He's saying as long as you guys are together, then it's good. I don't know, man. That's some serious ability to not be stressed by things. Because sometimes I'm like, okay, but if I screw up this decision, then Isabella going to be a meta addict. And then uh, Savannah is going to sh- shoot herself. And then I'm going... And then, I don't know, man. I, I overstress probably. That's a possibility. Yeah, the other one that was an option for places to move was Colorado. Uh, mm. I went to visit... Uh, uh, my friend Philip Miller was cool we hung out there for a few days it was beautiful I really really liked it outside of Denver so I was like yeah I don't know about six months of real hard winter I'm not so sure yeah I'm not down with it that's a train yeah. shoveling snow is like really good cardio uh, yeah. I shoveled <laughs> snow in Big Bear and I was like yeah. you know after the third day in Big Bear I, I was cool going back home right. to go have 80 degree weather year yes. round and they make snow blowers so you can actually just push yeah, so you get a rock up in one of those bad right, yeah, and you've been yeah. times you have to all day but, oh, but I mean I like found a, it a like chore a eater for snow man it's just more pain in the ass yeah. it was a chore to go outside and smoke a joint in the morning you know like for me 30 below I'm gonna go smoke before I go run and I'm, you know as it is it's cold enough to go run so that sucks already and then and then you you know you have to go sit outside with frozen fingers to try to you know to medicate or whatever to me it was just wasn't the same as I got 15 minutes to the beach, I watch that, listen to the ocean. You know, to me, that's that's free. You know, that's that's. And you get free rocket launches on occasion. Just to we get all the time oh, now. Yeah. And it, it seems oh. like they're getting more. Wow. They're scheduled too. You can find them on the. I was gonna say earlier when we were talking. You can look on the website and you can see when they're scheduled. Yeah. Go up there and there's viewing pla- there's viewing places where you can watch them. Take off. You watch it pretty good from the 101. We were rolling down at night and one took off. We didn't know what it was. I figured, oh no, Kim Jong Un, we finally done it. Because <laughs> just this light was. I was like, what is that? 
And then luckily a rocket popped off, so I was like, "We'll be sleeping in your hair." Yeah. And then you run up to the window That's and you weird. And you can see it goes, and you can see it as it fades. It'll arc, and you can see it leaving and starting to go into orbit and starting right. to make that spin. Awesome. It's pretty crazy. Well, while I meditate upon my uncertain future, and I am mildly disturbed by all of it. One good thing, though, at least while we're in Big Bear, we turned, uh, we made an Italian version of Thanksgiving. So we ate like pigs. Um, check this out. I've never done this mix. It was, we cook polenta, which I don't know if you are familiar with. Is this Northern Italian thing? Is it, so what is it? Is it like corn based? It's cornmeal. Yeah, yeah. it's like a cornmeal. It tastes so good. Uh, we put on top of that eggplant parmesan mm. and uh, add red wine and finish off with tiramisu and so that was the italian version of let's stuff ourselves with food and go in a food coma very nice sounds delicious. i didn't eat for 24 hours after that i was like i think i'm good for a while but it was so glorious so i was fairly pleased you, you with did that. alternative thanksgiving too right we rotisserie to duck on the barbecue and uh smoked a ro uh, prime rib Nice. So we did a. That works. Just do something. Oh, and a pumpkin pie cheesecake. That's our little family recipe. Pumpkin pie with the. Or you make a cheesecake and then you pour the pumpkin pie into it and it marbles so you don't need the whipped cream on top. Right. My favorite. Sweet. Excellent. <laughs> So here is a cheerful story for you guys. Excellent. It's about the destiny of Mr. Michael Clark Rockefeller, hmm. who was um, swimming born in money. In, um, 1938, yes, definitely, as the last name indicates, from one of the wealthiest, most powerful family in history. And yet, as it turns out, the lesson of the day is that money can't buy you out of, uh, is, is not a guarantee against all your problems. Because as we're going a year, he. You know, I've heard of people ending up better than him, and we'll see how and why. So the good man, you know, he grows up in the middle of mountains of money, for sure. He graduates magna cum laude from Harvard with a degree in history and other stuff. But he falls in love with anthropology. So he starts going, participating in like this Peabody Museum of Archaeology and Technology expedition to Papua New Guinea, study the culture there he's pretty you know the people who are more charitable to him say that he was actually a really cool guy that didn't mind getting down and dirty and working with everyone else he was actually one of the first people to bring empanadas to the united states right that would have been important uh, the um, other people think that he just had this naive complex that he could just take any kind of chance and he would be fine because he was used to getting out of any problems because he's a rockefeller kind of thing who knows? I like to think the more charitable version. I want to sympathize with this guy. Even because what happens next starts getting a little weird pretty quick. On a second expedition to Papua New Guinea, he and he's there with an anthropologist, and they are with two local guides crossing a river in one of these big giant canoes that they have there to go into the ocean as well. Well, the waves are too tall. They get the engine wet can't start the engine again so the canoe start drifting and drifting out into the ocean by the time they are three miles out their guides are like you know what let us swim to shore and try to get some help here because this is not looking good where are you going fellas 
So Rockefeller and his anthropologist buddy, they keep hanging on to this canoe and they keep waiting around. But in the meantime, the wait gets long because 24 hours go by and by now they have been pushed out 12 miles from the coast. Rockefeller is like, you know what, I'm done waiting. I think I can make it. And it's not as insane as it sounds because the guy was a monstrously good swimmer at the top of his physical condition. So maybe could pass. And the current were also going toward the beach by now. So it could possibly. He said, I'm going. I think I can make it. These are literally the last recorded words of Mr. Rockefeller because what happens then is that the bad timing, by the way, because the guides come back right after he leaves. Where'd he go? So, you know, the guy who actually stayed behind got saved and everything was okay. Rockefeller, nobody find him. They go look left and right. Uh, eventually, two weeks in, the Dutch government, which was still ruling over Papua New Guinea at the time, this was in 1961, by the way, the Dutch government says he either drowned or he got eaten by a shark or a saltwater crocodile. You know, there are lots of ways to die 12 miles out between the coastline and the ocean. Something happened. And so that, there really is no evidence to say. They just say we can't find him. So that must be what happened, right? Somebody must be about to get paid and wanted to push that ahead. I can't get the money till this motherfucker's dead. Can you please? The story gets a lot more. If it better be headhunters or something like that, probably. You got it. Yeah. I'm setting the scene for you. That's basically what's happening next. Because within like a couple of weeks, there's a Catholic missionary that works in the area who starts saying, look, I've been hearing rumors here that this tribe a little further down the coast found this guy coming out of the ocean and they promptly killed him and date him. So, yeah, the local tribes out there, part of the culture in Papua New Guinea, not everybody, some tribes were more mellow than others, but there were tribes who were notorious for being headhunters and cannibals. And they have been keeping up this uh, part of their culture up until the 1950s or so, when supposedly Catholic missionaries say, no, we now convince them that it's no longer cool to chop off your enemy's heads and eat them. Well, apparently not everybody was convinced because there are reports that some of this stuff continues in Papua New Guinea a lot longer. You mean the missionaries didn't fix everything? Amazing. But uh, and, oh, to make the culture even a little more potentially disturbing, not only they are headhunters and cannibals, but they have this thing that any, any one of your people get killed by somebody, you need to get bloody revenge. And it can be anybody from that tribe, right? As long as it's, you don't have to find the exact guy who killed him, because that's hard work. As long as you find somebody from their village, then you're good. And so they would keep together these never-ending fights between villages going on for years at a time. Well, the so our good the Dutch government completely denies the report of the Catholic missionary, said this is all bullshit, never happened. Yeah, cannibals, yeah, right. Part of the problem is that the Dutch government was in the process of granting Papua New Guinea independence and rumors that the place is run over by headhunting cannibals would mess with that plan. So For some people. They, some people are accepting. Right. So they, they, they don't like that idea that much. So they're like, how about we just squash their rumor? You should try to see getting weed legalized in Lombok. Now you're talking some That's even harder, right? Well, the story gets 
even weirder yet. So we got Rockefeller's mom hired a private investigator to go down, try to find out some kind of proof that he indeed died. Now we know who didn't get the money. Right. Yeah. He comes back with three skulls that this tribe said, these are the only three white guys who have killed in the last few years. So, you know, grab the skulls. Where are the white the... guy skulls at? Yeah. Over? Okay. Yeah, because they use skulls for everything. It's, part of, it's a big thing of their interior decoration taste. They even use them as pillows, apparently, which I don't know exactly how that works. Human but... skulls are the Ikea of yeah. Papua New Guinea. Exactly. A lot that's, of people don't know That's that. basically what it is, right? Is So the guy comes <laughs> back and supposedly Rockefeller's mom paid the full price, like to her that was supposedly she found proof but here is where it gets even weirder let's add extra layers to the whole thing so some guy well there is the rationale for why supposedly rockefeller got eaten by these guys is that a few years earlier there was a group of dutch soldiers went to mediate this brutal civil war between these two villages Group of these Dutch soldiers ran into a group of warriors from village A going to raid wa warriors from village B. So he runs into these semi-naked guys in the jungle with spears and bow and arrow, putting on a war dance right before them. I would have fainted. My yeah. dream! The Dutch oh. guys find that the finger goes to the trigger really fast. They killed a few of these warriors, which within their culture, guess what that means? Gotta kill some Dutch guys. We need, well, Dutch is a big word. Dutch, what a, it's a white guy, right? So, and then it's not that easy to do so because otherwise you have to go kill the soldiers. These guys are going to kill your whole village. So as it turns out, killing a white dude in Papua New Guinea is not as easy as advertised. But if you, hey, look at what's coming out of the waves right now. It's one stupid half-dead white guy coming our way. Thank you, gods. The gods you were very have, strange uh, ways. This is making things easier. There is, however, a tale that um, they were looking recently at this footage because one of the guys who had gone to Papua New Guinea to find Rockefeller and shot all this footage while he was there, seeing the tribes, this and that and the other. There were hours and hours of unedited material that nobody had ever gone through. And one of the things that they find in this unedited material, it is very clear Like from the shots, 60s or from like three from weeks ago, the, some guy like, I've returned! From a little bit later, like 65, okay. probably something like that, right? Not 50 years later. They... No, just a few years later. Years, but a few years yeah, later, yeah. not a lot. And one of the things that you see in this footage is these, you know, the inhabitants of Papua New Guinea are very, very, very dark-skinned, right? Old in their canoes, arriving, these, and there's one clearly white guy growing a beard, which is something they don't do. They're also covered in um, kind of literally war paint and stuff. It's like has all this war paint on and he's uh, in his loincloth and doing his thing. And so the obvious question is who the hell is this random semi-naked bearded white guy in the middle of Papua New Guinea? And so one of the theories is that actually Rockefeller didn't die at all. He went native. And he ended up going, you know. The mystery of it all is pretty intriguing because all of the options are eaten by sharks. Okay, that's a wild story. Uh, drowned. Okay, not so wild, but still important. Uh, eaten by headhunters. Okay, that makes for a good story. Probably not a good ending, but definitely a good story. Or not eaten at all and survived and leave, say, screw you to the whole being a Rockefeller hair and instead leaving Papua New Guinea with 
that's a badass tale right there. That's one of the stories that is like... It's straight from the tribe book, straight from Ben Franklin's reckoning that no white person ever returned from joining the Indian civilizations back in the day. Yeah, I don't know about Papua New Guinea, though. These guys sound a little intense for... You don't know about being a Rockefeller, either. It could be like, if I yeah. gotta deal with these motherfuckers for one more day, I'm just... That could be. That's... Can you imagine? So what are my duties? You know, like, supposedly, like, a tribal duty is, like, the true sins are greed mm-hmm. and cowardice. Yep. And if you could keep that in motion, you could blend right in, you know? Make sure you go pull the tarot roots out when it's your turn. It could be Then a again, grand. if this is how you grow up and we're watching oh, a picture of yeah, Michael absolutely. Rockefeller, that would be a bit of a change. He could do it. To go from suit and tie to... But in any case, that's the wild tale of what happened, or rather what we think may have happened to one of the heirs to the richest families in U.S. history. There may be some heirs down in, in Papua New Guinea now. Could be. These two archaeologists are going through the jungle, and they're captured by headhunters. So they're tied up and put into a hut along the way, and there's a festival going on, and fires are going, and the drums are going, and eventually the chief comes to them and says, you have, uh, you have come into our territory uninvited. You have two choices. You have a death, or you have a ruru. And the first archaeologist is like, well, I, I, I've got to go home. I, I'll take the ruru. So they take him out, and they whip his drawers off, and they put him over the ruru tree and have their way with him. Every person in the village has a good time. So he gets his bloody pants put back on and sent on his way. Chief comes up to the next guy. He's your turn now. You may have the death or you have the ruru. And the guy's like, fuck that ruru stuff. I'll take death. And the chief says, ladies and gentlemen, it's death by ruru. <laughs> That's messed up. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. The funky music means one thing. That's another fine episode of the Drunken Dives podcast. We survived another one. A great little chat. I thought we were really getting to something in the ramp there because we have to apply this negative energy and turn it back into positive. Uh, You're going to have to fight fight positive. That's the way, man. It's, like it's, it's hard yeah. because it's so easy to get sucked in, but it's important. And so that's what I need to remind myself every day. It's tough because so. the second everybody's throwing bricks, then you're never going to solve anything. Yep. But that doesn't mean you have to go get hit by a brick. Absolutely. There's a sweet yin-yang spot in there where it's neither on one side or the other. It really does describe the whole crazy trip. I feel it more and more almost every day of my life. Uh, speaking of awesome, Kiva is actually over $90,000 loans from all you crazy cats out there that really do it. And I can tell you from a Kiva official that when we do break 100000 at the very least, I should be able to provide T-shirts for our top 10 loaners. Sweet. And everybody else will, at the very least, get a kind, thankful email, but uh, probably some stickers as well. So it Sweet. ain't everything in the world, but they seem, you know, they're really proud of us and appreciate it. And uh, so let's get it to the end because we're really getting close and Christmas is always a good time to get a bratty cousin or uh, a nephew Something where they're helping someone and they might accidentally get a little lesson from it. So that's super exciting. Well, that's a hundred thousand. That's going to be silly. Absolutely. 
Oh, speaking of people who give money, let's oh, mention oh. a sweet few folks who just donated to us, which is always a beautiful, beautiful idea. And oh, Jesus, <laughs> the dog tried to kill himself. Nah, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> he, he just dove off this bank he said into the table. I and think he uh, said goodbye, cruel world, as he tipped off backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, the dog's okay, everybody. Okay. No, they're supposed to twitch like that. That's what <laughs> Okay, there's this American food that they told me about, hot dog. I want to try it. We seem to have the raw material here. Oh, yeah, yeah, just eat them up. Let the pottery begin. So let's say quick thank you to the folks who donated to the podcast. We got Mr. Jonathan Waterloo, Stephen McKee, Aaron McLaughlin, Samuel McNichol, Federico Rossi from Italy. Lisa Robles and Matt Chebre. I think every single one is a regular donor. You guys are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm beginning to think that maybe the, these folks had passed away years ago. <laughs> but they have they a credit card. Permanent. The credit card doesn't know they're gone. <laughs> wow. Well, they are sweet. So thank you very much for donating. Thank you, of course, to Onnit for sponsoring us. Go check out onnit.com forward slash Taoist for the incredible array of products that Tony carries. You're making Christmas gift. You will find something there for somebody. That's yeah. a fact. So check them out. Check out Datsusara, dsgear.com. Uh, greatest hemp gear on the planet. So if you want to give uh, bags, backpacks, travel bags, uh, computer bags, martial arts uniform, you name it. There's lot beanies, there's lots wallets, there's all sort of good stuff there. No one would be upset getting one of those backpacks. No, those are awesome for sure. And of course, big thank you to Shore Design with the sweetest, softest t-shirts on the planet. If you want to order any of the Drunken Taoist t-shirts, we have four different designs. They are in the episode notes. Uh, what else? Same thing. If you want to check out the Taoist lecture series, you haven't done so already, or my audiobook, Not Afraid, those are exist also. There's the link in the episode notes. Thank you to Daisy House for letting us use the music. Um, anything else we need to mention? I think we got it. Awesome. You guys have a wonderful day. Bye. <laughs>
Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great, fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.